Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. And may I greet you today by saying happy Feast of Tabernacles. And also, I'm uh, very glad to be back in the pulpit. Just got off the plane not too long ago, having returned from England. And thank you so much for your prayers. As, uh, Pastor Kelly and I were traveling around, preaching the gospel, having a wonderful time in the Holy Spirit, getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit and fed with the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, I know today is a special day because we are going to receive the holy offering for the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want you to look at one verse with me found in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. Now the earth, we are told in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4, will remain forever. It will go through an end time cleansing, as St. Peter talked about, where all of the elements of sin and things like that will be burned up it will go through a deep cleansing, but the earth remains forever, as well as these eternal principles, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. But my friends, seed time and harvest shall not cease. You know, if we go back uh, some decades and consider the man of faith that brought to the body of Christ the understanding of the law of seed time and harvest, that would be the esteemed minister, Dr. Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts uh, shared that he learned this principle from a wheat farmer. What had happened is that he and his wife, Evelyn, were pastor, uh, pastoring a very small church in a community called Enid, Oklahoma. And the church was uh, kind of poor. And Dr. Roberts uh, could not find a, a place for he and his wife and two children to stay. And nobody was willing uh, to take them in within the church. And he went before the directors of the church and said, we, we need a place to stay. I'm your pastor. And nobody would help him. But finally, one family agreed to let uh, Dr. Roberts and Evelyn stay in their home. But that was a family. That was a man and a wife. They had children. They had a 1,000 square foot home. So uh, Oral and Evelyn and the two children are in that little house with that other family and that's not fun. You just don't have enough room. You, do, you never really have privacy. And one, one day, Evelyn told Oral, I can't take it anymore. You either get a place for me and these children to stay, or I'm going to go back home with my mom. And when you've got this figured out, then I'll, we'll join back up with you. But you, you have to do something about this. We can't continue to live like this. And Or Roberts said, you know, that really lit a fire underneath him. So in the next church service, which was, uh, you know, just right after she had made that statement, he went in there and he preached, he said, like a man on fire. He said half of the stuff that he said, he, most of it he doesn't even remember. It's just that he preached with such fire and then at the end felt led to receive an offering. And this is what he told the church. We're going to receive an offering to build a parsonage so that even after my wife and I are gone uh, and a, a new pastor comes in, there will be something for this, uh, that person, that family to stay. And he said, I'm giving my entire week's paycheck. 
which was $55. That's all they paid him. I'm putting that down right now. Who else will stand with me? And he said people begin to pop up everywhere. And while before they had never really given, but yet there was such a moving of the Spirit. A person gave $100. Another person gave $20. And other people began to give. And Oral Roberts said the wealthiest man in the church, who was a businessman, stood up and gave $1,000. And by the time the offering was received, they had enough money for a down payment for a home. And... Of course, that was uh, exciting. That was phenomenal. But Oral Roberts said he went home that night, and uh, he told Evelyn what had happened. But she asked the question, well, what did you put into the offering? He said, well, I put my whole paycheck <laughs> into the offering. And she was like, well, how are we going to eat? She said, how am I supposed to feed the kids? And uh, so uh, Oral Roberts said the bed that night was a very, very cold bed. You know how when there's disagreements. And so often marriage stress is uh, uh, primarily a product of financial stress. He said the bed that night was very cold. But he said at 4 o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on the door. Can you believe that at 4 in the morning? And he went and opened the door, and it was one of the members of his church. And that man said, uh, Dr. Roberts, I apologize for knocking. Of course, at that time, he wasn't Dr. Roberts. He was just Pastor Roberts. But the man said, I apologize for knocking on your door at this time of night. He said, you know, uh, in the offering, he said, I didn't give anything in the offering. Um, but he said, I went home, and I couldn't sleep. And he said, I woke up and I went out and I dug this up. And he, dug, uh, and he, what he had dug up, he had buried in a can and he took it out and he gave it to Oral Roberts. It was four $100 bills. And it was amazing what he said because, uh, well, actually, Oral Roberts admitted that he had sown $55, but now he's got seven times as much back in his hand, and plus they have the ability now to uh, build a parsonage for the church. So he's now got seven times more, but it was something that that wheat farmer said next that altered the course of his life and ministry. Praise the Lord. This is what the man said. He said, I'm a wheat farmer, and I know I have to plant a seed to get a harvest in my wheat field. This $400 is not just money. It's a seed of faith, and I am sowing to the Lord to get my own needs met. Well, Or Robert said that when this man, his name was Art Newman, the wheat farmer, said that, there was such an explosion on the inside of revelation, the spirit of revelation, that what this farmer was talking about is applicable to the way the kingdom of God works. He said, I know I have to plant a seed to get a harvest in my wheat field. This $400 is not just money. It's a seed of my faith. I am sowing to the Lord to get my own needs met. My friends, your giving does help the kingdom of God. This specific work that God has raised up in the earth, it helps it to move forward so that we can share the gospel on a greater platform and do it with excellence. And at the same time, it's not like this is just a one-way thing. Paul talked about giving and receiving. So as you sow, this is not just uh, like uh, an offering that you give and then you've, you've given, but nothing's coming back. No, this is a seed. Your money is seed. Now, 
as you sow your seed, I want you to target your seed for the need that you have in your life, that desire that you have for God to do. Sow your offering as seed. This is your Feast of Tabernacles offering. Sow it as seed to meet that need. Praise God. Wrap it with faith and expectation that God is going to do it, and it could happen at any moment. Praise the Lord. You're going to see some very strange and unusual breakthroughs in your life. Now, let's honor the Lord. Let us also bring the tithe in. And now, let us bring in the special Feast of Tabernacles seed. If you are mailing that in, the address is Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Baravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you're bringing in your special Feast of Tabernacles seed online, I want you right now to go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and there's a, uh, a header at the top. It says, Give Online. You can click that. It'll take you to the giving page with the little drop-down menu, and you'll see the Feast of Tabernacles 20. 23 link. Click that. Whoa, glory to God. And sow your miracle seed and watch God meet that need. Whoa, praise God. This is very, very exciting. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Your money is a seed. Whoa, praise God. And God's going to give you a harvest. Can you imagine going up to a farmer who's praying for a harvest and really, really praying for a harvest? And then you ask, well, what kind of seed did you plant? And they say, I didn't plant any. Okay. So now you see how the laws of faith are like sports. You cannot play football with a hockey stick. You see what I'm saying? You cannot play basketball with a volleyball. You have to follow the rules. The rules that govern financial wealth and increase in the kingdom do not directly work through the principles of prayer and fasting. Just no, no more than a farmer does who prays all the time for a harvest but doesn't sow seed. Okay. While the earth remains seed time and harvest. If you want a harvest, what do you do? Well, Pastor Stephen, you pray. No, no. Many of you are catching this now. It's taken a little while, but you're catching it. If you want a harvest, you don't pray or fast. You sow seed. You sow seed. Now, of course, then when you sow seed, yes, you can pray, Lord, bless the seed. Lord, hallelujah. You maybe want to fast for spiritual sensitivity. Yes, hallelujah. But the laws that govern the economic financial realm of God's kingdom, they work based on the principle of seed time and harvest. Your money is seed. Father, the offering of the Feast of Tabernacles that your people have sown and are sowing is a seed. Bless it, I pray, with mighty anointing, and let it come back into the, that area that they need it most, that area that they're specifying. And we thank you that every seed produces after its kind, and we thank you they're going to see your goodness, they're going to see your power on display as the harvest comes in. Now we thank you. We thank you, Father God. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, 
Please take your Bibles today. You're going to like this. Mark chapter 9. This verse is like a gold standard. Of course, everything Jesus says is, but some of them really grab you. This one has always grabbed me, and of course, many other people around the world. And I think it'll be something that you always know where to go to when you need to see the impossible done. We're going to go now to Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Let's pray. Father, you're a good God. And you're working in the lives of your people. Now we thank you that we are not the type of believers that proclaim and confess, but yet don't apply the principles that are necessary to see what we proclaim and confess come to pass. Father, thank you for the power of your word, the roadmap for our lives. Let it be fully illuminated now to the eyes of our understanding. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Woo, praise God. Look at this. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things. Please pause just for a moment and say that. Say all things. All things are possible to him who believes. My friends, this is like God giving you a blank check and you filling it in and then cashing it with your belief. Praise the Lord. If you can believe all things. Now, what would all things consist of? All things such as a healthy body where you can actually have a life. And I know that many don't know this, but I'm telling you that you can. All things are possible to him who believes. My friends, you can have a body that is healthy and strong and pain-free. And that should be normal in the kingdom. And now the, I know the enemy can contend with you on that. But I'm telling you also that the word is stronger than any contention of the enemy. And that it is possible for you to have a healthy, strong, pain-free body. All things are possible. Maybe you're single and you want to get married. And maybe you think, well, Lord, maybe because of certain uh, factors, maybe because of age, maybe because of where I live or this or that or the other. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, like not, not looking like the possibilities are good. But if you believe all things, including getting a godly uh, spouse who loves God, who serves God, spirit-filled, that is can be the person that God blesses to be your holy spouse. Praise God, and you'll be very, very happy about that. Praise the Lord. What about deliverance? We see here in the story that uh, the context of what Jesus was saying, while, yes, you can have all things, to the Father he was basically saying, hey, your son can be delivered. Well, this is a special case, Pastor Stephen, the doctors have diagnosed schizophrenia or whatever, this or that. And we're not denying certain things that maybe were diagnosed or whatever, but I'm just saying that all things can override that diagnosis. It can override it at the highest level. Praise the Lord. Today, it is time for you to enter the zone where all things are possible. Maybe you live in a rented uh, apartment or maybe you're renting a home or something along that line and you've always wanted to have your own home where you, where you own it. And trust me, home ownership is a whole lot better than leasing or renting. But maybe you think, Pastor Stephen, I can't. Uh, the building prices are so high and uh, I can't get the down payment or this or that or the other. But I'm here to tell you today that if you want it, you can have it. All things, not some, all things. That includes home ownership. All things are possible to him or to her who believes. Praise God. You better believe you can have your own place. 
Hallelujah. The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills can't help you pull together a down payment. He's going to do it. Get ready. Get ready. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Maybe you want to have your own successful business and you're believing God for that. That would be included in all things. Or maybe you have your own business, but perhaps as is the case in many times, you need some specialty equipment and that equipment, which would separate you from your competitors is costly equipment. But if you could get that one piece of equipment, then your productivity would go to a whole new level. And then you could reach even further with the business that you have. I'm telling you, it's possible for you to be able to do that. You know, my wife and I were visiting a certain, a certain place one time. And this one institution had a piece of equipment. They were the only ones on the uh, east of the Mississippi who had it. So anybody that wanted to work and wanted to use or be involved in this field of study had to use their equipment. And they're the only ones that had it. And they could, they could charge whatever price they wanted. <laughs> and they were charging pretty high. Woo, praise God. But God can, God can help you to get that tool or that equipment that will help take you to a higher, higher level. Praise the Lord. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things, come on, you're going to get into that zone where all things are possible. It's the zone where all things are possible. And that is a really, really dynamic and enjoyable place to be in. Praise God. Now let's talk about how to do it. Praise the Lord. A level of belief that is needed to enter the all things zone. Let's look at a, uh, something that will help us to really nail it down. James. I like the book of James, James chapter one. Let's go to verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so Pastor Stephen, this is the one that's going to get blessed. Yes. What does he do? He looks into the law of liberty. I'm here today to tell you that there's power in looking. Mm -mm. The miracle power of the word can be released through your looking into it. Praise God. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. You know, what you focus on is probably more important than some of you have realized. And I have noticed over the years that failure is often linked to broken focus. So what you need to do is you need to examine your life and I would say disconnect from things that distract you from your primary focus. And let's be honest, really in this area, you've got to be like almost, I would call it ruthless. You have to really get after it with your focus because if it's broken, your ability to believe God's word, even when you can read it and see the promises laying there, your ability to believe it becomes suddenly a struggle. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, for those of you that are outside of America, you probably have some similar laws, but here in America, in most of our states now, you are not allowed to drive in your car 
while talking on your cell phone and texting on your cell phone. Why? It's a broken focus that produces accidents over and over and over again. So we have laws against that. So you can't do that. Praise the Lord. But I'm telling you in order to look into it, you're going to have to really get focused and not let anything break that praise God. Hallelujah. And these are choices that we make on a regular basis. You know, flying back from England, I got on the plane, got settled into my seat and got my iPad out and uh, uh, we took off. And so it's an eight hour, eight hour flight, London to Charlotte nonstop. And so I'm all set up. And so within, you know, 25 minutes, they're already bringing out the drinks and then they bring out the meal. It's real nice. Had a wonderful flight. But after an hour, uh, the meal's done. Everything's good. And boom, I can get into it. And right when I'm getting into the word and everybody else is finishing also, you could see every single TV, everybody's movies, 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 one after another. People are watching movies, movies, movies. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with watching a movie. But you have it when you are really believing for God to do something that others call impossible, but God says, I can do it for you. You really have got to get your focus dialed in. All things are possible. So it can happen, but it's going to be connected to your belief strength. And you, you have really got to focus on feeding that. And so I have learned over the years that for me to, uh, you know, continue to move forward and accomplish things and continue to move forward, uh, supernaturally, it demands that I keep looking into the word of God. Praise the Lord. Because if I go over here and I watch a movie for two hours, first of all, as soon as the movie's over, I'm going to be thinking about that for hours and hours, probably at night, probably wake up in the morning thinking about the movie. So that's hardly why I ever hardly do stuff like that. But if I get into the word and by the time the plane landed, I probably spent probably over four solid hours just meditating, going over the word, getting certain scriptures deep into my spirit, not into my head, deep into my spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just soaking all of that up. I, I tell you, those are personal choices we make. Praise God. That if you want to look into it, you can't, but everything else will be competing for you also to look into it. Praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. Numbers chapter 21. Look at this. You're getting into the all things are possible zone. Numbers 21 verse seven. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents. Ooh, that's not fun. Take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it, when he looks at it shall what shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Praise God. Now right here, in this Old Testament story, God is trying to get across to us an eternal pattern in regards to how the miraculous works. Okay, so watch this very carefully. The pattern is this. Everyone that looked lived. Okay, so if you look into the perfect law of liberty, okay, there's freedom in that. There's all kinds, you, you get free, hallelujah. And when you look, 
you live. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We understand, of course, that this was a type and shadow of the real thing. What's the real thing? The real thing is John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at that. Thank you, Lord. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must a son of man be lifted up. Oh, so that lifting up of that brazen serpent, was that a type of Jesus? Yes, absolutely. So Jesus is seen here in the book of Numbers as playing the role of the symbol of the brazen serpent. And we know that also, of course, that Jesus is the Word of God. Let's turn back just a couple of chapters. That would be John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. At verse 14, since we're celebrating tabernacles, and the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. Woo, praise the Lord. Now, if we look at the Word, the way the Israelites looked at the serpent in the wilderness, we also, without any doubt, will receive the release of God's miracle working power. I'm telling you, when they looked at that brass serpent, they got healed from having been bitten by very venomous vipers. Can you imagine that? Those snakes were coming out of everywhere, cobras and asp. It was wild. Woo, and they were getting bit. And you, if you don't look, if you don't look, you're going to die. But they looked at the, not, not at Moses, look at that bronze serpent. That was a type, that was a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened when they looked? They lived. And since that was a type of Christ, and Christ is the Word, I'm telling you, when you look into the Word and keep looking, you'll live. You'll live. And the, this zone where all things are possible, you start moving into it. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 34. Let's jump over there just for a moment. Psalm 34, verse 5. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Now, what this is saying is that everyone that looks is going to be receiving light. And we know that in Scripture, light is always synonymous with life. So darkness is synonymous with death. Light is corresponding to the beauty of life. And we receive miraculous life from looking at the Word. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6. This one is going to really help some of you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So this is what you need to do. This is why it's revolving around the, the eye. You need to let the Word have your primary attention. Yes, with your eyes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you must not give in to the various distractions. In other words... You can be believing God for healing in your body, and the pain can be just 
hitting you really hard with urges and, uh, and spikes of pain. And the pain will say, look at the impossibility. The pain will say, you have to look over here and consider other options. You're going to have to live with this forever. But your eye must keep looking to the scriptures by his stripes. You were healed. And the pain will say, don't look at that. Let's go back and reread the doctor's report. But but look, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body, your whole body will be full of what? Light. Out goes the sickness. Out goes the disease. It can't stay in the, too much light. Praise the Lord. But you have got to keep looking upon the word. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your eye, in other words, be single, focused solely on the word and your body, your body will be transformed by the light from the word to where it becomes strong and healthy. Why? The word's just too strong. It's too strong for sickness and disease, darkness, and the light will push. It will drive that out. You're going to get a light infusion. Praise the Lord. Mm. I'm here today to say there's power in looking. And some of you have been looking all over. This is what some of you do. You look at the word some, but then you go over here and you muddy the waters by looking at for hours and hours at all kinds of other nonsense, nonsense. And so what it does, it diminishes and dilutes the pure light, the pure power of the word. And it brings it back to a place where you cannot get into that zone where all things are possible because your belief system has been, it's like in football, it's like you fumbled the ball. You fumbled it. Why? You were, you were looking at the word some, but you were like Peter. You were walking on the water and you could see Jesus. But the moment these big waves rise up and kind of block your view some, because the waves are so big, that expose actually the the weakness that Peter had in that area is that test actually exposed really how weak he was. He had a lot of stuff up here in his head, but in his heart, he still did not yet grasp that faith is of the heart. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So what happened? He went under and then the Lord had to save him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let your eye be single focused solely on the word. And what will happen is that your body, if you're battling sickness or disease, your body will become healthy and strong. Why? Why is this? How does this work? There's power in looking power in looking. You may think this is crazy. I'm not exaggerating. I've watched people on their deathbed who are Christians, who are spirit filled and can talk in tongues and love Jesus. I've watched them on their deathbed as their hour of death, as their minute of death approaches. And they're watching TV. They are watching some stupid carnal sitcom and they're about to enter in the heaven and they can't figure out why Jesus didn't heal them. It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. You're up there looking at that instead of saying, turn that trash off and somebody get me a Bible. <laughs> Ooh, I'm being a little too honest maybe with some of you, but some of you need to hear this. You pump four or five hours of, of empty silliness into your eyes, and then you give God 15 minutes, and then you wonder why you can't get into that miracle zone where all things are possible. 
Look, it's time for you to have your own testimony. You have to realize that putting the Christian bumper sticker on your car does not get you into this miracle zone. Carrying around a big Bible with an orange sticker on it that says, I love Jesus, does not get you into this zone. Wearing a Christian t-shirt, all of that's fine. That, though, does not get you into that zone. You need to look into this book, look into this word until it moves from your head and into your heart, and then until your heart is filled Mm -mm. And then suddenly, it seems normal that God can do miracles. Suddenly, it's like, yeah, that could happen to me. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! There's light, there's strength coming into you, dispelling the darkness of doubt and unbelief. Praise the Lord. You're breaking through. You're breaking through right now. This is a memorable day for you. This is the Feast of Tabernacles Sunday. You are breaking through into the zone where all things are possible. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4. The Lord is moving today by His Spirit. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Some of you, that's where your problem's at, right there. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, there's power in looking. There is power in looking. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Of course, we see that the emphasis again here is based on looking. Let them not depart from your eyes. You must keep looking at the Word, and its life and health will begin to be infused into your flesh, into your physical body. Yes, yes, looking at the Word will affect your flesh. It will affect your health, even in strange, unusual ways. Yes, with health where you're vitalized and you walk around with energy and you accomplish the assignments that God has called you to do. But I'm telling you, there are uh, even different levels of God's blessing through looking upon the Word. Let me put a uh, picture up on the screen right now. And, of course, you're looking at a book. It may not seem to be, but it's uh, the book you're actually looking at, it's 1,300 years old. My friends, you're looking there at the book of John, the Gospel of John. Now, here's something interesting that you need to know. That book was buried in the grave with St. Cuthbert in the year of 698. And that that book of John stayed in his grave there in Lindisfarne, England, for over 400 years. Now, St. Cuthbert was an apostle uh, to the British people, and uh, uh, he spread the gospel all throughout uh, what we know today as England. And pretty much that little island, Lindisfarne, was the cradle of Christianity for what we now know as the British nation. Praise God. So he was a famous healer, and he was a miracle worker. But when he died, they put that Bible in the grave with him. That, excuse me, not the Bible, but that book of John with him. So that book is 
1,300 years old. I know it looks like it was just written yesterday. It is in phenomenal condition. In the year 2012, the British Library purchased that little book for 14 million U.S. dollars. I think it was 12 million pounds. That's about 14 or 15 million U.S. dollars. Uh, the cover is red. It's made out of calfskin leather, and it is in absolute amazing condition. By the way, you can read it if you go and Google that and pull it up online, but it's written in Latin. Now, that book is the earliest intact European book in the world, and it's considered to be the most important book in all of English literature. It is truly the story behind the British people. Now, what happened with St. Cuthbert is that after he had been buried for about 400 years, the monastery needed to move because the Vikings were beginning to make raids. And when they raided, they, they plundered, they uh, tore stuff up and, and destroyed everything they could. So they, they were going to move the entire monastery, and that meant they were going to uh, dig up Cuthbert. And when they dug him up, they were shocked. Uh, it, was, it was like almost unbelievable, the, uh, the story of what was told. But his body did not decay one bit. His skin was perfect. In other words, he wasn't just bones. He was skin, hair, teeth, eyes. I mean, I mean, everything. Nothing was decayed. Pastor Stephen, why would that be? Well, this element of supernatural incorruption was because they took that book of John and they placed it on a rack just above his dead body in that coffin. And he is looking at the word. Now we know that his spirit and soul went on the heaven, but they did that so that he would look at the word, praise God. And when you look at the word, it can do something of an incorruptible nature in you. Why? Because the word is incorruptible. This my friends is the number one book. Not, are you ready for this? Not only all time, but still every, every year, it's the number one seller every single year. They don't even list it anymore on the New York times bestseller list or anything like that. But millions and millions and millions of these go out every single year. And by the way, you need one and get yourself a good one. Don't, don't go out and, um, and carry a cheap sword. Don't use a little old $5 Bible that feels like you're holding something that's made out of plastic. You know, we buy $50,000 cars and $70,000 vehicles. Then people go out and get a $15 Bible. No, no. Get yourself a good Bible. Praise the Lord. By the way, this is a Schuler Bible. Consider the finest Bibles in the, in the world. Goat skin. This would last uh, probably a thousand years if I take good care of it. But um, I'm going to put a lot of use on it. And I have been over the last years, praise God. But um, you know what? Treat yourself right in the things of the Lord. If you're a serious Bible student, which I know so many of you are, get yourself a good Bible. Don't walk around with a $9.99 Bible. Get yourself a good Bible and look into it and watch the incorruptible nature of the Word begin to affect your flesh, begin to bring healing into your body. Glory to God. I'm telling you, when you look into the Word and you look and you look continually, it changes you. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's go to verse 18. 
but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. Now, when you look into the mirror, my friends, that mirror that is being referred to here by Paul is described by James as being the mirror of the Word of God. So, what happens is that when we look with an uncovered, unveiled face into the mirror of the Word of God, which is the glory of the Lord, you get transformed and you go from glory to glory. It changes you. It changes you, but you have to keep looking at it and you have to get it into your spirit. Now, having said that, let's look at our key verse one more time today. Mark chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes what you need to do. And sometimes it's good particularly like at work, to have a smaller Bible, have a smaller Bible, a good Bible that you can carry with you. So when you go to the bathroom to take your bathroom break, or you get like sometimes in some jobs, every two hours you work, you get a 10, 15 minute break. Okay. Go somewhere where you could sit down and read the Bible, look into it. Okay. And as you look into it, what will happen is that all things will begin to be viewed by you as being possible. The ability to buy a home, the ability to have a debt-free home, the ability to uh, pay cash for a vehicle, and all of these other things that would seem, how, how do you break into that? Those things begin to happen through the strength of the Word, but you have to keep looking at it. You have to keep looking into that glass, the mirror of the Word of God, and as you do, it will reflect back its strength upon you. Praise God. Praise God. So in church history, among the saints, you have those that are known as the incorruptibles. And those were the ones where there was no decay in their physical body. And for some of them, it still hasn't. Hundreds and hundreds of years have passed. That was because of the strong emphasis they had of continually looking upon the Word of God, treasuring the Word of God. And yes, they were busy, just like we all are, uh, where you have to go out and work. I mean, you can't just sit around and read and pray all the time. But when they would work and carry on their life's activities, activities, they would take those little breaks and just keep looking into it and maybe sing then a song to the Lord and maybe sing a scripture. Or in the case of Mark chapter nine, verse 23, if you want to do something that others say is impossible, you keep looking at that statement that Jesus made. You look at it over and over and over again, and don't pollute what you're doing by then throwing in a whole bunch of other garbage, such as going off and reading uh, stupid magazines of, of, you know, stuff that'll pull you into the flesh or watching shows that'll pull you. So all that is designed to break your focus. It's designed to break your focus. You must have a singular eye where that miracle thing that you're wanting God to do, where you, you're in the word so much when you wake up in the morning, you shout, God's going to do it. God's going to do this for me. And then you say, all things are possible to him who believes. And I believe, therefore, it's possible. It's going to happen. But see, if you don't look like this, with this level of intensity, uh, you'll, you'll fade out. You'll fade out. You know, St. Cuthbert was buried 
with that holy uh, book of John. Some of you couldn't be buried with your Bible. You don't even know where it's at. You, you misplaced it months ago and you haven't even found it. And you're like, well, I'd like to be buried with mine. Uh, I, I, where's it at? Look, look, a Bible is not meant to be set on the coffee table so that you can appear religious before family members when they come over. That Bible is meant to be looked at. That Bible is meant to be opened. And that Bible ideally is meant to be wore out, praise God, because you're going through it and you're feeding on it and you're drawing nourishment from the milk and the meat of God's Word. We have Christians that have been in the church for decades. But what happens is because they do not look into it, they stay at milk level. And you try to talk meat stuff, and they're just like, we don't even know what you're talking about. They don't have the foundation for the Word. It's what Paul was dealing with there in the church in Corinth. And it's what Paul also said to the Hebrew Christians. He said, by this time you ought to be teachers. And you're still camping out on elementary doctrines like baptism. Like, really? He said, at this time you should be teachers. But if you're not looking into it, you could sit in the church for 20 or 30 years and you can't teach anything. You couldn't even teach somebody uh, how to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You couldn't pull up the scriptures. But no, no, you're not only going to be able to do that. You're going to be in the miracle zone, praise God, where God is doing miracles for you, where you have your testimony and you've got your scriptures that you're standing on. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest Mark 9, 23. Why? Because it's like a blank check that you get to fill out for that thing that you're believing for God to do. If you can believe all things, what is all things? It's that it's all things. They're possible, but it's It's based upon your belief. Amen. Now lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for their eyes, that their eyes be very singular. And while we have uh, family and we have work and we have children, we have these things that demand our responsibilities. We thank you, O God, that by your grace, we can still continue to look. We can still continue to look. And if we have to take care of our children, we can teach our children about your word while we're taking care of our children. And if we are doing other things, we can always take word breaks. But Father, we thank you for helping us to thin out and filter away those things that would break our focus. Because Father, so many of your people are believing for you to do what others would call impossible. But it's not impossible. But Father, I thank you for, in order for them to see the miraculous, they must get into this zone. Help them with their eyes today. Let their focus be locked. We thank you, Father God. Some of you are going to get your miracle within three months. Now, Father, bless them with a singular eye in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. Let me say this. I know what it's like after a busy day, you come home and maybe you're tired and you want to like, as we say, veg, you want to relax. You maybe you want to just watch something that, uh, is just like relaxing. I understand there's a place for that, but you also have to realize you sometimes have divine opportunities to push it at moments like that. When moments when you could relax, you could say, well, I'm going to open up my Bible again. Yep, again. Why? Because I'm really serious about this happening in my life. Mm -mm. Father, we give you all of the praise. Amen. Amen. A new level of focus. A new level of focus. And you're going to find yourself in that zone. And, you'll be like, and you're going to be like, yep, that's how it works. That's how it works. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Please lift your hands. God's presence is here. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Father God, that we were not meant to live in a world where we are powerless, but we live in a world, oh God, where you have designed uh, miracles to be a part of the equation of our life, breakthroughs, and the mighty gifts of your spirit. Father, you have given us armament and armory to break through any opposition to obtain the promised land of our inheritance. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're watching this today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you don't even know how you got to this channel, yet you're, you're watching and you're listening, and the Holy Spirit's touching your heart, you need to get your life right with God today. Also, you may be watching this channel, listening to this message, and perhaps you used to serve the Lord, but you fell away. You got deceived by the lie of the serpent who was originally in the garden sneaking around, and you listened to the third voice, and thus you lost your place of blessing. It's time for you to come back today too. God has the healing power to restore you. Just it's so easy. It's just as easy as the Israelites looking at the brazen altar. You're going to look back upon the Lord, going to call on him. He's going to make you right. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I look to you on the cross. You paid the penalty for all of my sins. Jesus Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Save me now. I look unto you, O God, as my sole source of salvation and deliverance. Thank you, Jesus. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Some of you are going to realize you've got a lot more free time than you actually thought once you uh, cut off these other distractions. Glory, glory, glory to God. For those of you that just prayed that prayer, welcome to the body of Christ. For those of you that were uh, uh, away from God, but you've come back, welcome back, welcome back. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, today, let us take Holy Communion together. Praise the Lord. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray. By the way, if you don't have unleavened bread, grab a cracker. Grab what you've got. If you don't have grape juice, get some apple juice or what you've got. But let's, let's take communion together. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it right now through this prayer. We set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the flesh and blood of Jesus. Father, we are determined not to live at the bottom of the barrel. We see too much of what Jesus has made available for us through his act upon Calvary and his resurrection, his ascension, for us to be living substandard. So, Father, we thank you for the flesh of Jesus. May we truly look into the mirror and be moved from glory to glory as the strength of your word changes us. Thank you, Father. Transform us into the image of your Son more and more every day. Now, Father, we thank you as we now receive the Lord's body. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together.
Praise the Lord. We must not just talk about the blessings and God's great miracle of power. We must be honest and we must talk about the requirements that are necessary to experience this. Lest we end up driving around with a Christian bumper sticker and we know all about it, but the worst thing of all, it's not happening. It's not happening. No, we're not here to play games like that. You can have a Christian bumper sticker if, if you want. We're here, for the, we're here for the steak and the potatoes. We want the results. We want the word working in our lives. Amen. So we're going to be looking into it more and more. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for a wall of fire, of protection all around about us. We thank you, Father God, for your angels protecting us, opening new doors, bringing new blessings into our lives, bringing divine connections into our lives. Father, we thank you that as we look into the word, we see so much provision that you have made for us. How could we ever live in a place of defeat after Jesus has done what he has done? Father, we say that truly the words of Jesus are the truth. It is finished. He has made full provision for us to be able to overcome anything the world, the flesh, or the devil might try to present. We thank you for victory in Jesus' name. We thank you for the blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your hands. Let's pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. The Lord Jesus is filling many of you with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit before. Just lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now receive right now the Holy Spirit, and now you can open your mouth and begin to speak out. Just open your mouth and speak it, the utterance that the Holy Spirit is giving you. Let's do it together and speak it out now. Begin to praise God in tongues. I call in miracle harvest for you. I call in new levels of unprecedented blessings into your life. I call in the spirit of favor to rest over you. I call in the spirit of wisdom, the anointing of wisdom to come upon your mind and the way that you operate and the way that you govern your life. I see the Lord Jesus Christ giving you the complete package, all you need for life and godliness. Praise God. Everything you need, everything you need. Now, Father, we thank you for great discoveries, great revelation, and great impartation of strength into the life of your people as they look into the mirror of your word. I thank you for the unveiling of destinies. I thank you that no one listening under the sound of my voice will sell themselves short and take a, another alternative when you have the best for them. I thank you, Father, for unveiling that to them, that they will know 
what an option is that's not of you, and they will not take it or even consider it. Now, Father, we thank you for your best. We give you all of the praise. Father, we admit it takes effort. It takes application. But we thank you for the beautiful, pleasing results. Now, Father, I pray for your people that since this is the week, the whole week of the Feast of Tabernacles, I pray that your word, Jesus, will walk among them, will tabernacle with them. Not only if some of them even stay in tents or do some things outside, because it is a time that is a reminder of the 40 years of passing through the desert for the Jewish people, for the Israelis. But Father, I thank you also that that, that element of the word tabernacling, the word becoming flesh, would become more of an understanding that Jesus meant what he said, and everything he said was loaded with light and life. Now we thank you, Father God. We thank you that your spirit is dispensing those life-giving words as they look into the scriptures. We give you all of the praise. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Things for some of you are going to really begin to make sense. You have not been able to sort it out or make sense of it before, but with the breakthrough of light, you're going to know exactly what God is doing and you're going to rejoice because it's all good for you. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for sowing your special offering today, the Feast of Tabernacles offering. I'm praying over all of the seeds that come in. They are seeds. God's going to give you a beautiful harvest when it comes in. Please email me, write me, let me know what God is doing in your life. God's going to give you his very best, the maximum return. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I speak blessing over your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for looking. And I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.